welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am moderator JP, and I'm here as always with Father Chuck. Oh, sorry, I dropped my phone. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm all right. I, as I'm as I as I was telling you before we started recording, I'm uh we're we're dealing with a beloved family pet that is nearing the end of its life, and so yeah. I'm you know feeling some of the the emotions of of of, of the loss of Cosmo Kramer. <laughs> that's that's that, inevitable. I love that you named your dog Cosmo Kramer. That's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> and that's always sad. That's always rough. I hate going through that. I've gone through that way too many times because <laughs> we always own more than one dog at a time. So yeah, he was, he was, I acquired him. Um, I adopted him. He came part of my life when I was 20 as my 20th birthday present. Um, he chose me. Oh yeah. Um, it, uh, I'll, t- I'll share the brief version of the story. Um, I, uh, I was interested in a dog. I wanted a pug cause I liked the flat face mm-hmm. and, uh, we went to this puppy store thing that I can probably a puppy mill to be quite honest, but it was in a pop near my grandparents' house and in the same shopping center at the uh, Mexican restaurant that they always, that we always ate at with them. And it was me my mom and my ex-girlfriend and we walked in and I looked at, did a quick walk through the dogs, didn't see any pugs. But then I saw this little flat-faced Pekingese puppy. And I was like, oh, he has that kind of pug quality. He's kind of cute. And so I was like, I'll play with him a little bit. So we're in a little play area. And uh, he humped my leg. And I said, well, dude, like, I, I guess I have to buy you. Like, you have to be my dog now. <laughs> and so um, I was like, I'll think about it. And so they put him back in his pen. And he watched me walk out the store and down the down the sidewalk of the shopping center mm-hmm. and just like kept an eye on me. And I was like, I have to have him like I, he, he like I, he imprinted on me and I imprinted on him. And I was so nervous at dinner that someone was going to come in and get him. So like I rushed over there. And as soon as I walked in the door, like he was still staring at the door and he like his ears perked up. He stood up and his tail was wagging. Aww. And it was just like I knew I knew. And so I, um, and so we, we got him and, um, I of course had to name him Cosmo Kramer cause I'm a big Seinfeld fan. And plus he has, he had these really short, he's a short haired Pekingese and one of the long haired Pekingese. And so we had kind of the frizzy <laughs> and it just sort of reminded me of Kramer's hair on, on Seinfeld. And so, um, Kramer was my buddy and, yeah. uh, he was my buddy until I went to college and then he became my mom's buddy and he's been part of our life. Like I said, um, I mean, I got I was, I, my 20th birthday. I was, it was uh, October of 2002, and I started at PBA in August of 2003, and so, yeah, he's a 17-year-old dog. <laughs> Man. So that's, how old is that in human years? That's, uh, or dog years, that's uh, 17 times 7. You've got a 119-year-old dog. He's lived, been... lived a good life. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He's lived a very good life, and uh, he's had a good time, and 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 he's very you know, he's a very precious dog. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's what's going on with me. Well, pour one out for Cosmo Kramer, who I, I'm sure was a very good boy. Well, I mean, he's still alive. Oh well, I, yeah. I mean, he's just where where his he he's just finally hitting that moment where we're having to make some tough we're having to have difficult conversations by mom and I. I see. Uh, and because uh, he lives with my mom, and um, and he's had he's had a rough he's had a rough couple of days. So it, you. it's you know we've known we've known this was coming, but it feels like it's way more inevitable than it has been in the past. So, uh, but for all we know, he could rally and live another year or two. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we had this we had this cat that we were initially bought for my aunt Margaret, and she didn't want it, and the cat loved me, 
And um, that cat lived to be like 20. Wow. Jeez. Or 21. And the thing is, is like for like for around the past, like the last three years of her life, we thought she was like, there were times where my mom like, saw her and was like, oh, oh, she's dead. Oh. <laughs> And if I went to like collect her to like bury her, and she woke up I'm like what? <laughs> oh no! And then, and then rallied and was just fine. <laughs> yeah, oh maybe uh, Kramer can go for the record, isn't it? Uh, like just twenty two or something? Isn't that the record? Yeah. The oldest living dog. Yeah, yeah. that actually be pretty cool. I've always wanted that. I've always wanted a world record. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, Kramer's the world record oldest dog. Get in that Guinness, that Guinness book. Yeah, I mean, funny though too because uh, we have his papers, and his mother's name w- was Pistol Packin' Mama. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> sounds more like a racehorse, but all right. I know, right? So, what's go- what's going on with you, JP? How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, you know, just growing, growing, um, growing that cannabis. Right. Uh, we, I, I want to, I want to have. I wish we could have a. Uh, a weed episode, but I, but I, but you know, one of us is on the force and I don't know how, right. I don't, I don't know if we can do that, you know, like, right. Can, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I've learned so much and I've seen this, this, uh, this plant that is, takes very, takes, it just takes a strange transformation, uh, a weird journey from a little green thing in a pot to like a tree uh, that's like covered in goo, basically. And um, <laughs> every inch of it can be used for something. Right. Um, which is remarkable. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's a, it's a wonder of science. The, the cannabis plant, <laughs> you know, it's, it's more than just, you know, stoners getting high, like, I mean, right? Because you're growing it, you're growing it for medicinal purposes, right? Because you're you well, are. Uh, you can't grow it for any other purposes because uh, it's not right. legal for any other purposes. Well, right, but I was going to say, like, you're not you're not in the. You're, it's not like you have like a couple plants in your bathroom, like no. you know, like 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 our boy Q. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <our> <laughs> yeah. Uh, none, none of us are are users, not even medicinally. Right. Yeah, uh, we're just yeah, you're growing. Yeah, we're just yeah, planting it. I just I bring this up because I know we've mentioned it a few times in the podcast, but I realize we've I don't think we've ever mentioned the fact that your your family is growing it legally for medicinal purposes. Yeah, <laughs> I just hope that people don't think that like it's like the priest, the yeah. police officer, and the dude growing pot in his in his basement. <laughs> this is more like an intervention than a podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we're doing it very legally. Oklahoma passed a bunch of laws last year. Uh, to where they have made medicinal medicinal cannabis uh, legal, and uh, so it's it sort of created a, a boom in Oklahoma. Uh, in my little town of Norman, there is now uh, pot dispensaries on every corner, <laughs> which is an interesting thing to see. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. So we decided to just kind of jump on the jump on the wagon because growing squash. I don't know if you've grown squash, Chuck, or tomatoes. Uh, um, uh, I, I we have grown tomatoes, but not squash. Okay, have you grown like a whole field of tomatoes or squash? No, absolutely not. No, yeah. 
Uh, it's not fun. Um, it's it, it's it's very difficult, and you make uh, no money. Uh, the opposite is true for uh, cannabis. So, right. Well, it grow. It's easy to grow. It grows the, fast. Very easy to grow. <laughs> and like you said, so like the buds can be used for medicine. The stocks can be used for fibers for like clothing, rope, just about stuff anything like that, you can right? think of. Yeah. Yeah. See, see what I would love is if you all now here's oh here's something you could do, John Post. Mm-hmm. If the if 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 you could find somebody who could turn the fibers into cloth. Yeah. I would buy that cloth off you for 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 surfboard purposes cuz that's become oh, like cool. a thing of people using like flax or hemp cloth to to wrap their surfboards instead of uh instead of fiberglass oh yeah yeah that'd be cool um also uh church vestments yeah oh that'd be nice yeah that's, that's right cool. like hemp is a very classic material for for uh like monks robes and priests clothes and stuff so yeah it's it's a it's a wonderful thing and it's really cool and it's i think what's kind of funny about it is that like we're we're a legit business we're a legit farmers legit business legit everything but like the only thing that hasn't changed is like they still have like weed names. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. it doesn't matter how legit you are, you're still selling Urkel Purple. Like <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> like, <laughs> like you could have the most serious business transaction uh, so how many uh pounds of 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 uh alien rock candy would you like, sir? <laughs> like you know. <laughs> yeah, that that really uh really <laughs> well, because I think about like, we talked. I think I don't know. We talked a little bit last week. I think we got this on the end of the podcast of, of the episode, right? We talked about the idea of like crickets and weed, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, you know, there's this whole move to change the name. Like, uh, uh, there's a certain variety of cricket. I can't remember what they're called, but the farmers are trying to who that are car- that are that are harvest that are you know raising and harvesting those crickets are trying to use that name yeah. instead of cricket. The same way that like like prawn, venison, yeah, or like prawn instead right. of just like generic shrimp, right? And so to denote a certain kind of quality, a certain type of thing, right? To get people to think. So like, right, you you, you use the term cannabis instead of marijuana or, or weed or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which are both derogatory terms that were developed to 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 denigrate the plant, yeah. um, and as but, well as uh, Mexican people who were growing it right. back in the day, <laughs> right. Um, but then you, know, you said there's like, I got a prescription for some Philadelphia bam, bam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's so, funny. Uh, like it's like they've banned everything else except for that. No, we're still gonna go. We're still going to call our, our strains like funky names. <laughs> yeah. Some Honolulu pineapple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I uh, think it's funny. <laughs> you still just sound like a guy in the corner, you know, just right. <laughs> Um, but no, it's, it's been interesting. It's been fun. It's, uh, you know, I never thought in a million years I'd be doing this. I never thought in a million years my family would be doing it. Right. But, no, you know, I didn't. I, I, I did not either. Yeah. Uh, you know, I come from a very conservative background and household and, uh, you know, times they are a changing. Indeed. And, uh, that's, that's just, this is what happens, man. That's, uh, that's progress. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and, and like you said, because it has such wide use, it is fascinating to me that because one variety of the cannabis plant can produce THC, which can cause people to have an altered mental state, 
um, they've banned the growing of the of all cannabis species, including the variety that we traditionally known as hemp. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just which is crazy because that was one of the first things that we grew in the United States was hemp. Isn't like the Declaration of Independence written on hemp? Like, is that it's something like that? Yeah. And but <laughs> like, I think Jefferson, I think Je- Jefferson and Washington mm-hmm. grew hemp. Yeah. Um, I mean, clothes were made with it because I mean, it, it, it grows year round. It grows fast. Yeah. It's super renewable. Um, you can like make food, gas, like all kinds of stuff with it. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's just fascinating to me that here's this super useful thing. It's like, ah, but one variety can get people a little bit, a little bit altered. So we're just going to not, we're not going to do that. And instead we're going to grow cotton and we're going to enslave a bunch of people to do that. Yep. And it's 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 so weird to me. Like it's 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 easy to look all this stuff up, and the people that are still around who are just like, no, we cannot legalize this stuff. It'll be the end of civilization. Like, you see what, what what's happening to our teenagers? Well, I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, it's who 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 are you fooling besides me, Ma? You know, like <laughs> right. Well, and then of course, you know, um, um, we we just had another shooting in high school, right? Um, and those same people won't 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 change the law about guns yeah yeah because for the for, yeah so speaking of <laughs> what's our episode anyway we're gonna just uh we we're just gonna riff a little bit about uh, a subject we that we like to talk about which is the uh the generation gap and the relationship between generations and one of these things and one of the things that kind of uh inspired this i know chuck you read something i i wasn't able to read it i apologize uh, but one thing I, I saw was that, um, you know, if, if you are, uh, an online person, you probably know about the meme that's been going around. Okay. Boomer. Okay. Boomer. Okay. Boomer. Uh, pretty much coined by generation Z, I guess. The ones are sort of taking, taking ownership of that. Right. Yes. Gen Z. Uh, well, they, they've, uh, they've started another campaign against another generation. Which is uh, th- it, this is dangerous. <laughs> it might be biting off more than you can chew, Gen Z. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they've decided to go after uh, Generation X by by branding them the Karen Generation. Now I, we have to translate a bunch of stuff for our listeners because I've actually found out that a lot of people don't know what the generation divides are. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, a lot of people think that current high schoolers are millennials. No, no, no way. Right, like yeah. millennials are people over thirty. Yeah, I that, that's kind of funny. Like they, a lot of like you'll read like a lot of headlines talking about millennials, and they're always like very young people. I'm like, dude, they're almost like the older millennials are almost forty. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm um, thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not to talk, not to talk about our ages or anything, but yeah. Uh, but and also, and then you use the phrase Karen. We also have to define Karen because that's right. That's a kind of new thing. That I find hilarious. Yeah, Karen is a meme that is uh, sort of describes the person who uh, like yells at managers, specifically a white woman, right, with Which, a very particular hairstyle. because yeah. <laughs> yes. that's the joke. Is this particular hairstyle? I can't. I can't explain it's, it. You'll have to. I know you'll throw an image up on the on the video. Sure, for I'll this. do that. It'll just kind of sort of just a short cropped, maybe a little slanted, maybe a little kind of done up a little bit at the top, even though it's so like a little, little messy up top. Yeah. And yeah. It usually has like some, some highlight streaking in yeah. it. Uh-huh. It's the kind of hairstyle that you tend to see only on hairstylists. 
Yeah, pretty much. And 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 this particular class of woman in I, that I've seen in places like um, the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. You've seen them in, hollering at yeah. hollering at Kohl's employees. <laughs> you've seen them at Starbucks. You've seen them at Panera. You've seen them at Chipotle. I'm sure you've seen them at Chick Fil A. Um, yes. Yeah. So it, it, and you know I think the funny thing is they also mentioned this article that I read about the Karen. Karen generation. Um, they did say it is a bit problematic though, because you are gendering somebody. You're using sort of a, a female stereotype to kind of other people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, you know, let's let's uh, let's have fun with it first. Then we'll start uh, deconstructing it. Out. <laughs> look, we'll look that the thing is, because the thing is, that's the ammo Gen X is going to use. All right, we all know that. <laughs> this is the thing. Gen, that's what that you put it out, and that's the issue. Hey, right? don't mess with Gen X. <laughs> They are nihilistic. Yes, exactly. They don't care. They will take you down with them. <laughs> this is the generation. I mean, this is the generation that has largely been defined by like grunge. <laughs> yeah, grunge and self-destruction. Yeah, apathy. Um, you know, there's a. If you watch the movie Clueless. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene in the movie Clueless, where uh, where 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 she is describing boys at her high school and the way that they dress. And it, sh- and it shows this group of guys walking with like these tie dye shirts that are like two sizes, too big, enormous worn out Jinko jeans, chain wallets, carrying skateboards. That is gen X. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're they're ready for it. They're ready for this. They've been they've been preparing for this their whole lives because they haven't been doing anything else. So, well, it's because they, they, Gen X is one of this is is a generation that um, that they've fallen between two large populations, right? Right, because the boomer the boomer generation is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials, our generation, also huge, just in numbers, even bigger. Be- right? Is it bigger than boomers? Yes. Yeah. And so we because and because of the way the free market works, right, entertainment and all of that caters to these two large groups. And so Gen X is just kind of in the middle. Right. And they came of age at a time where society has sort of passed them over. And there's been a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, like there's a there is an Episcopal uh, priest um, who blogs under the name of um, the crusty old dean. I need to look his name up for the sake of this episode. Sorry, let me. We'll have to do an edit real quick. Yeah, we'll have uh, to, we should go down a list of the generations just to kind of define them, too. Yeah, what is his name? Tom Ferguson. Okay, so there is a guy, an Episcopal priest by the name of Tom Ferguson, um, who was, if I'm not mistaken, he was the dean of the Berkeley Divinity School at Yale, maybe, or maybe it was Bexley Hall. Anyway, he was the dean of a seminary. He blogs under the name The Crusty Old Dean. He's a very influential, um, well-respected writer and thinker in certain Episcopal circles. And he is a Generation X clergy person. And he's written a couple of articles about how he feels about things as Generation X, that um, his generation has never really got the recognition. Like, they'll ne- he's like, you know, it's pretty clear that we'll never have a Gen X president of the United States. <laughs> um, Conan O'Brien 
um, never really got the respect that he deserved as the host of a late night show. Right. Right. We went straight from him to Jimmy Fallon, who was a millennial. Um, um, I didn't know he was a millennial. I thought he was Gen X. Well, that he, well, he speaks more to the, I guess that's a thing. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. His audience is a millennial audience. And so Conan O'Brien, who's a Gen X audience, never really got the mainstream recognition that they deserve. And so there was this kind of sense that Gen X is just sort of like, Right. They're there. Um, the latchkey kids. They're yeah, there. and which also speaks to um, one of the definitive novels of the gener- of Generation X, which is uh, Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club. Oh yeah. Which um, his whole the whole premise of that is white white males of Generation X feeling like there's nothing for them to accomplish. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's just they're just kind of they're there just to consume. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's kind of, you know, like a quick rundown of the, uh, generation gaps. How far do we want to go back? How far? Well, consider that we're mostly dealing with, I don't know if we, do we need to go with Grace generation? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, can go, I can go as far back as, uh, uh, the lost generation and the silent generation and then Grace generation, which is also the GI generation I, the greatest generation is such a marketing book. It's just that was right. that's the thing that came up that came it was come up with but I think it was like Tom Brokaw who came up with that or something I don't know of of his own generation called the Greatest Generation yeah no I guess he Tom Brokaw's younger than them but still Greatest Generation like well it's because they they fought World War Two that's why they're called the Greatest Generation but <laughs> but like if you're cutting entire generation they there was a, the there was Tuskegee an... experiments I don't yeah. know that they're all that great they use the N word a lot. Uh, <laughs> they duped Japan. Yeah, <laughs> there was another side of that of that generation that tried to like take over the world, you know. So it's GI. I think makes more makes more sense because everyone was in the military and, and fighting. So oh yeah, also uh, that generation. Um, if you're Europe, uh, were the Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I was saying. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, just just a quick rundown. You know, I don't really I don't really mention. We won't really talk much about him, but you know the the lost generation, which was made up of like people like Hemingway, people who fought in World War One and stuff, and they got really into literature and writing and things like that. Uh, the you know, the silent generation was for sort of around the time between like World War One and the Great Depression. Um, right, they're the, they're the generation that were too young to fight in the war, yeah, and then wound up becoming too old to fight in World War Two. Right, yeah. Um, they probably yeah. have more in common with Generation X. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you have uh, the Boomers, or I'm sorry, not the the, the, G- the GI Generation or Greatest Generation. Everyone who fought in World War II. Um, so yeah, then they have there's the Baby Boom, and then they had Generation X and Millennials, right? Like that's pretty much. Yeah, because like yeah, because the Baby Boomer Generation is kind of a the 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 the, the age range is kind of wide. Mm-hmm. Um. And what is it? It's is it forty five to sixty five? Is that the birth year for uh, boomers? You know, it's I can't get a, the, I can't get a definitive answer from. I've looked at a couple of these things, but I know I know that sixty five is the cutoff because sixty five count like if you're born in sixty five, that technically begins Generation I X. I think it's a little bit later in the forties, like later than forty five, because I don't think if you're born forty five, you're considered a boomer. I think okay. it's like well, more towards the fifties. Okay, because my mom, my mom is my mom is a boomer. Yeah, um, born so, in fifty three. Yeah, my parents are boomers. And um, and I was born. I mean, my mom 
you know, technically, you know, one could argue was, you know, had children a little bit later. She was 28. Right. And it was, she just had me. I was born in 1982, which is the first year of the millennial generation. Right, right. Um, and so, and so you and I have talked about this on the show in the past. Mm-hmm. We are, we are both millennials by virtue of the way the dating works, sort right. of in, in broad, the broadly accepted notion. But we are either what they call old millennials or you say zennials. I say zennials because it's with an <laughs> X. Um, but that we, we, we sort of have our feet in both generations. Yeah, I think we kind of broadly fit into a description of a millennial, but we also sort of broadly fit in the description of Generation X because we grew up with all of their stuff. Like, right. I prefer. I prefer to. I, I like the name for what we are. I think we should call ourselves what um, what what serial killer, the hacker, played by Matthew <laughs> Lillard in Hackers, said. We are the Nintendo generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's 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 interesting. I, I, I guess so. If you want to, I mean, you know, if Tom Brokaw got to name a generation and everyone just sort of jumped on that, I think we should too. We should have some. Well, marketing. we're. I mean, we're, we we might as well be Tom Brokaw. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We, we carry that level of influence. So yeah, the <laughs> Nintendo generation. Um. Yeah. But what I think is that I don't, I don't understand why when the first when I first started hearing about the generation gap and about like our generation, it used to be Gen Y. Right. I don't know why it changed. Um, um, well, let me, let me tell you. Um, I remember when I started hearing about Gen X. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't know why it started out Gen X. Because that's what it, it was Gen Y because we get Gen X gave birth. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. They were just the rest of the alphabet. But. Right. I, I, uh, I, um, I used to have this, this fear that Gen Z was going to, like when Gen Z came around, that was the sign that, that like the world was going to end. <laughs> I think a lot of people did. That's probably like, I could definitely hear like a youth pastor being like, it's uh, <laughs> not a coincidence. I don't think. Yeah. Right. Right guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think, cause I think what happened, I, I think it was gen Y. And then I think they started, cause I remember for a while there was gen Y2K. Oh yeah. And I think that that turned into the idea of millennial. I mean, it's totally a marketing term. Millennial. Yeah, fine. Whatever smacks of mullen of, of of marketing little special snowflakes looks better um, on time magazine i guess uh, yes um that's the thing is see this is, this, this is our this is where the gen x part comes exactly we're, we're gonna start talking about ad busters and stuff like <laughs> we like loathe our own gen- <laughs> that's great but yes we grew up with other gen x stuff um and uh and and now we are and so now we have the we are millennials and then of course there is the zoomers zoomers gen z and hilariously i don't know if i share this on this podcast i think i told i think i might have given you the article like a couple years ago chuck i don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast mtv tried to actually brand gen z um because they for some reason they think they're still an influence Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and so they had a poll where Gen Z got to name itself. Mm-hmm. And the name they came up with, they decided on, was uh, The Founders. I remember this. <laughs> Which is like, that is so 
weird. That is so like dystopian sci-fi kind of thing, right? Like the founders. Why would first of all why why would you let high school students define their own generation? That's just like you, no so decision you, you make in high school should stick with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. The founders. I forgot. What was the logic there? Is it because? Because they're the ones that grew up with like social media and uh, all this new technology. And so they, they're the ones that are going to ultimately decide how to properly use it or whatever. Yeah, they're doing a bang up job. <laughs> with their murder generators, their murder simulators. Just. Anyway. So, but I, I, it is really interesting to me because I don't, I don't know. Obviously, generations have all, you know, really since the boomers, right? The boomers, I think, really intro, introduced. Well, no, I take it back. Lost generation because they were the flappers, right? They were the, the 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 flappers were part of the lost generation. That was probably the first time that we that I think we can think of with the birth of a youth culture, yeah, in 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 America, probably the world. Um, where there was some really strong tension with parents and their children. Yeah. Um, with, as a result of social upheaval. I mean, the Great War really, um, you know, really sent people through a loop and sent them in a lot of soul searching. And then, you know, we came around and did it again. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I was, I was writing about this and thinking about this in my journal the other day. Um, cause, cause I do that. And, um, I uh, it dawned on me that a lot of the ideas that the boomers embraced because they were the first they're really the first generation to widely be college educated or to be like largely college educated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that a lot of the ideas that they were using and trying to implement to change American society were ideas that came from Europe and East Asia, right. which is where their parents had gone to fight wars. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And sort of brought those ideas back with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's um, how the uh, tiki craze started. Yeah. Right. Because you had all these World War II soldiers who were going to like Southeast Asia, right? And they were going to these like cool areas. Yeah, the and, South Pacific, and yeah. And so they came back to America, and they kind of wanted to recreate that sort of beautiful environment that they were in, living in like Idaho or whatever. So like, though they created the whole uh, tiki culture, which is actually really fascinating. Yep. Yep. Interesting. I wonder if it I wonder, does that count as cultural appropriation. Oh, totally. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very much so. <laughs> Especially like uh, the, the names of all the drinks, like the zombie and the uh, mai tai. The mai tai. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> well, I mean, and like you know, there's the tiki birds at Disney. Right. Yes. Part of that. There's actually a, a legit tiki uh, restaurant still in existence in Fort Lauderdale. One of the original ones. Really. Yeah, there's this book on tiki on like the history of tiki that I actually really want to read. It sounds like really interesting. Well, and then that you know then yeah then like yeah they started the tiki thing. Their kids thought it was corny, but their grandkids thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, right. Gen <laughs> X thought it was kind of cool, yeah. and they started playing with it in the '80s because that's how you get bands like the B52s. They're building off of some of that stuff that 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 you know Atomic Age stuff that's also the interesting thing about this whole to me this whole generations thing is that it's one the the generate like the younger generation hates their parents but idolizes their grandparents yeah and sort of feels like whatever their grandparents is into is somehow like better even though it's sort of 
because they don't have to spend too much time with of him. its time. They don't have to spend too much time with him, you know. So I guess, I guess. But it's like grandparents, okay, but like great uncle, great aunt, like they're usually into some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, they usually don't but, go to the same church. The, yeah. You know. <laughs> but 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 it's but I feel like this generation thing has taken on a whole new tenor. And this and this and this okay boomer thing has really added something to it, really crystallized it. You know, it's been folded into the culture war for a while, you know, probably back to back when boomer started becoming a thing, which is, you know, back seventies, eighties. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of became part of the culture war. Yeah. Right? Which by the way, sorry, right. sorry to interrupt. I just realized that, but this, this, this negates the thing I said about one generation tending to idolize their grandparents. Yeah. Because this is a situation where Gen Z is, calling their grandparents they're the ones of the whole okay boomer thing because i'd be referring to their grandparents Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um yeah and they they yeah that's why the the karen generation they're usually referring to their to their actual parents right um which makes sense because their parents were gen z parents or gen x parents have a tendency to be what they call lawnmower parents lawnmower parents yeah, so boomers were often characterized as being what we call helicopter parents, right? They're always kind of around. Yeah, right. right. Um, lawnmower parents, I think that's the term, is the proper term. Um, but lawnmower parents is that they're paving the way for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, they're, all right, yeah. They're, they're cutting through for you. That's uh, that that that's illustrated in that movie uh, Sing Street. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. It's, it's really good. You should check it out. I think you really yeah, like I know. It's, 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 it's on my list. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, this this kid's older brother, who's obviously like a generation before him, he talks, he gives this speech about how he was like a trailblazer and that he's able to do everything he can because he was the first one to do it. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, but yeah, so uh, where does that leave us? Uh, so since we've sort of defined all the generations, um, how do you how do you feel about this, Chuck? I mean, and do you do you have a uh, uh, I don't know. How do you? What are your feelings toward Gen X and the Boomers and those who came before you and those who are coming after you? Um, I it's complicated and it's also kind of tough for me to talk about as a priest because the Boomers run the Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. I remember and, you talking about yeah, and it's it's kind of frustrating for both Gen X and millennials because there's this sense that that the boomer generation just kind of wants to keep running things the the way they want like they sort of they keep running it as for themselves. Yeah, that's like a boomer characteristic. They're just they won't yeah. go away. <laughs> well I, I don't want to put it that way. Yeah. But I but here my, my feeling on it is is that they to the boomers credit, to the boomer generation's credit they were major trailblazers in terms of a lot of a lot of stuff that happened in our society, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the the stuff we've seen in terms of racial, gender, um, or sexual orientation, queer identity, equality and stuff, even though we're still, you know, working on it, the strides that we've made to where we are today is credited to the to the work the boomers really began right. in the sixties and seventies. So right, so there's there's a definite like they were the they were the counterculture generation. They were the hippies. They were all that stuff that 
you know, they, they, they inaugurated some really important societal change. And were so they boomers, were movers and shakers. Were boomers beatniks? <sighs> sort of. Yeah. But sort of not. Because the beatniks, um, the beat generation is, um, they, were the, they were the ones who were just kind of too young to, in, to, to be drafted okay. in World War II. Um, or they had injuries or something that kind of kept them out of it. And so they were the ones who were here in the United States while the war was going on and were around and were then around, you know, they, they sort of came of age in the tail end of the war. And so they they offer, you know, to like Kerouac, who's the, the disseminator of the of the beat generation of the beatniks has, you know, he has this very interesting take on the state of America in that time frame. So like if you read like on the road or Dharma bums. You know, it's set like in the years after the war um, and uh, in America with with these people who grew up not being part of it. Um, um, but so they and they, they gave a lot of the ideas that influenced the boomers. But I don't know yeah. that they would be boomers in the proper sense. But um, they're sort of the proto, you know, they're again, they're that kind of a gap generation. They're sort of in between. They're sort of like our generation for. Yeah this whole thing. But, um, but so I think what happened is that, is that the boomers, right? I mean, they were the ones who they said, you know, they, they gave us phrases like never trust anyone over 30. Yeah. You know, they, they, they were the youth culture. They were the, they were the, 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 they were, they were shaking things up. And I think as a result of that, it's hard when you live your life, according to that kind of constant sense of struggle to let go. And also to admit when your time is done and that you need to move on, right? That you need to hand things off to the next generation. I mean, there, there are definitely examples of people among the boomer generation who are doing that. But I think that there's a, a, a bit of a, I mean, I'm risking a stereotype, but I think, you know, stereotypes are sometimes rooted in a degree of truth, right? That you, you know, when you see, um, well, I shouldn't say stereotype, but like a generalization, right. um, that, that by and large, this sort of refusal to admit that they need to hand things off, that, you know, that their time is over and that they, that they have a responsibility, you know, what was all of this work they did if not for the generations to come, right. but it gets that feeling that, oh no, we did it for ourselves and we're going to keep doing it for ourselves um, and that there are a number of us as a second, and I can only really speak to the church and particularly the Episcopal church, a number of us who are sort of waiting for our moment and it's just not coming. Yeah. Right. Like you hear a lot of churches that'll say things like, you know, Oh, we really need young clergy. We really need young clergy in our church because young clergy are going to bring young adults and young families into the church. But that tends to turn into being like, well, we want young clergy to be sort of associate clergy. We don't want them to be the senior clergy of our churches. Like they won't outright say that. But when you look at when you look at the way things are like the hiring things that happen throughout the Episcopal Church, you see this tendency toward younger clergy are on staff. They're not as often running churches, right? Like I'm a, like, for instance, I'm 37 years old, rector, the senior priest of a church in my diocese. I'm the youngest rector in my diocese. Mm -hmm. I am also the only rector in my diocese under the age of 40. Wow. 
And we have 77 churches in my diocese. Jeez. Um, when we talk about, and I, the next youngest clergy person behind me is, um, my friend, Michael, who's down in, um, who's down in, um, Coral Gables Mm -hmm. and he is 27. So he's like 10 years younger than me. Um, and that's, and we're it. Everyone else is like 40 and above. That's crazy. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's South Florida, right? So there's a bit of a difference there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but, um, but right. So like, that's the kind of thing, you know, and there's, there's evidence of that that we see throughout the professional world mm-hmm. is that there just isn't as much, right. Like there's this sense of, you know, people are with debt. They're not getting the jobs that pay for, you know, that, that pay as much as they need to, to live and survive and all that. Like I've been very lucky, pretty blessed, um, in this, but, um, but I also, but I also see it. I mean, I see it a lot in the sense of, of where, of where things are. Um, and the other piece for it is in terms of our theology and the way we do church. So the boomer generation was largely the generation that was responsible for like the Jesus people, the hippie movement that gave us contemporary praise and worship evangelicalism. Um, their primary thing was relevance, right? Like they wanted, they want, they felt that, you know, church needed to, you know, it needed to be in the language and the music of, of, of the youth of the people, right. In order to get them coming mm-hmm. millennials and, and gen and, and, and generation Z when like there's, there was a Barna poll and this, I, this was the thing that kind of wanted me to talk a little bit about this, this recent Barna poll that showed that of young adults, so and that and that constitutes millennials and Gen Z mm-hmm. um, who go to church at least once a month. Sixty three percent of them say the reason they go to church is to have a closer relationship with God. They don't care about the music as much. They don't care about the liturgy as much. They don't care about community. They don't care about being involved in in service projects and social justice and stuff. And that's not to say they don't care about it in general. It's that, you know, their schools require them to be doing social justice work. Uh, they find their community through a whole range of other things, athletics, you know, work, you know, uh, you know, my, my wife goes to a knitting group, you know, I mean, there's different ways that people find community. So they don't necessarily need church for community. They want that they need church to give them a deeper relationship with God. Right. And it, that speaks to the kind of thing you've said on this podcast a few times. Like, you know, one of the things for you, when you go to church is you feel like this should be giving you an encounter with the grand mystery of the universe. Right. Right. So like, that's, that's what our generation and young and younger are looking for. But what's frustrating is when you deal with a lot of, a lot of the boomer generation, all they hear in that is, Oh, so you want more praise bands? <laughs> Oh, so you want more rock and roll in church? Oh, so we should be more casual. Like, no, like right. we don't. And and the part of it, I think, too, is that they tend to associate like high church chanting, stained glass windows, very traditional Christianity with, you know, homophobia, misogyny and all that, because it, that's what that's what they saw. Mm-hmm. And it reinforced it for them. It's, you know, it's remarkable, like when I've gotten around the seminaries. And I've met people, you know, there's a growing group of young, like, like younger than me, like the, like the, the generation, generation Z 
coming up as Episcopal priests, the majority of the ones that I have met are, tr- are fairly traditional in the way they want to in the in the way they want to conduct worship. They're fairly what we call high church, meaning they want to, you know they they tend to like ritual and the vestments and all of that. Um, they're very traditional in their theology. Jesus is God. There is a Trinity. You know, Jesus physically rose from the dead, like all these kinds of things that the boomers tended to challenge and question. Right. But most, many of them I've met are gay and they're, or they're, you know, they're very open to, to same sex marriage. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're women who believe this stuff. So there's this whole generation now that feels that you don't have to, you can be traditional while holding on to this, you know, this, these, these progressive ideas are not contrary to the traditions of the church. You don't have to throw the traditions out in order to get them. And that seems to be something that, you know, in general, boomers have a hard time wrapping their heads around. And I'm not sure why, but it, that that's the kind of stuff that I've seen. I think it's I think it has something largely to do with, um, <clears throat> you know, boomers. They had hippies, and they had beatniks, and they had certain lifestyles. If you adopted a way of life, it became your lifestyle, right? And I think sort of the what evangelicalism did to Christianity was sort of turn Christianity into an American lifestyle. That, 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 that's very insightful. And I, the reason why that, that comes to my mind is because we, when we talk about this all the time, it's the, it's like the foundation of our podcast is the alternative yeah. evangelical stuff. Right. Don't read this book, read this Christian book. Don't listen to this music, read, listen to this Christian music. It's like, it's turning into a lifestyle as opposed to like, what a religion should be, which it should be like what I'm always saying, it should be an encounter with the great mysteries of the universe. You know, it's, you know, with, when you adopt a philosophy, you, it doesn't become like your, your, your lifestyle, right? Like I don't, I don't live a Brechtian lifestyle. <laughs> like I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I, I get different information from different people and I apply it to, you know, different situations. Right. Um, it doesn't affect the clothes I wear or the music I listen to or the movies I watch, you know, mm-hmm. or, um, how, I don't know. There, those are just very shallow things, but all other various levels of that. Um, so I think, I feel like that sort of idea, like you have to live a lifestyle sort of begins with boomers, you know, like I think, I think you kind of see that more of boomers because you start seeing those trends. And a lot of that also has to do with marketing. And when you think of like the biggest demographic to market to, that's going to just like suck it all, suck it all up is teenagers. Right. Right. And the fascinating thing about teenagers is that it's a fairly new concept. Right. It came about around the time when boomers were teenagers. Right. Like that. I mean, aren't they kind of considered like the first like real quote unquote teenagers? Yeah. Um, so what what I mean by that is that there I guess there was like a a time when teenagers were kind of viewed as just like little adults, right? Like once you hit like thirteen, go get a job, you know? Right. Um, and it was time to, to kind of that's why they I was talking about like you know back in my day we grew up fast. Like, well, back in my back in your day you weren't like an actual like teenager. Like teenager didn't exist. Right. Um, and that sort of came about. I don't really know the specifics. There's actually supposed to be like a great documentary about how the rise of teenager and youth culture kind of came about and how they kind of came together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- feel like that's where it sort of starts. Like the whole marketing teenagers sort of 
they don't know really how to live, so they have they they follow lifestyles, right? They they adopt lifestyles. So and that's right. kind of that's baked into marketing and trends and things like that. So, right, and it, and and it's interesting, and that could also get into a whole interesting thing about um, cultural constructs and how. So, because the generation that is doing the marketing mm-hmm. would largely be boomers, right? I guess so. Yeah. Boomers. Or maybe it's Gen X doing the actual work, but the CEOs are boomers. Right. And the boards are boomers, but there, there, there's definitely some, you know, expectation that there's direction coming from the boomers mm-hmm. and they're the ones marketing to the teenagers who would be the millennials for a while. And then, the, the 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 Gen Z. You know what's really so funny. I'm comes sorry. the question is: yeah. are 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 these are these identities really boomer crafted identities? I think they I'm are. Doing. I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think uh, Gen X came up with Gen X. Um, I think it's really funny if you go on YouTube and you just look up like Gen X commercials. They're really funny because they're so like. A Gen Xer would not <laughs> like this. Like it just—it's so transparent, you know. I, mm-hmm. There's like this uh, great, there's this great car commercial. I forgot which which car it was, but it was a guy who who played uh, Faraday on Lost. Talk to you about my new Subaru Impreza and explain its relevance to you and me and the car business. Okay, okay. This car is like punk rock. Now, now, just trust me, this is relevant. Do you remember when rock and roll was really boring and corporate? Well, punk challenged all this and said, hey, excuse me, but here's what's cool about music, remember? Now, Subaru, with this Impreza, is challenging some car thinking here. This car is all about reminding you and me what's great about a car and moving forward and making cars better and less disappointing. Just like punk, except it's cars. Oh, I just thought of another analogy. Just Generation X is so marked by... Dana Harmon always says, "Hands in your pockets, looking down the ground." Cure, you know that's that's the Coca Cola. Nope. Yeah, not gonna. Yes. Nope. <laughs> that's um, another thing. I love how people try to like kind of market generations. Like I remember Pepsi tried doing Generation Next. Yes, with the Spice Girls. Yeah, the song got stuck on my head all the time, and then there was, uh, and I, I still think Chuck. I mean, I, I think, I think we should be called millennials because we came of age no. at the time of the millennium. Don't stop it! Don't, don't, no. The is the is, is the millennium still going? Millennials. It... I. Uh, uh, this is he's referring to a Will Smith song. I um, an album album so here's the thing one of the things i have to recognize in talking about this right here we are first of all two millennials talking about these other generations without them like here to like speak for themselves the other but but i also have to be aware of that um at least on my side of the people that i know who listen to this podcast on a regular basis most of them are boomers (laughs) and really so yeah and some of the people that i some of the people that i that i consider really good you know really really close to me are boomers Hmm. right so um you know a couple of my parishioners who listen to this um and other and other people around the church who i know listen to the podcast are of the boomer generation and so 
I'd be curious to hear what they have to say to me after listening to this episode. But I'm trying to be careful not to, not because, and this is where I, this is where the OK Boomer thing gets serious for me. Yeah, is that as frustrated as I can sometimes be, and some of my peers are definitely, you know, as they are in the church with this stuff. I don't think that it's helpful to be dismissive mm-hmm. of of a generation. Like just because you're of a generation somehow, like you're you're not worthy worth anything, right? And as a Christian, right, we're 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 all about we're all about recognizing, as it says in the book of Revelation, that because of Jesus, we are a kingdom of priests that serve our God from every drawn from every language, family, language, people, and nation. Um and so that 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 would that, that the idea of people, you know, could constitute various identities. So that would incur that would incur that would refer refer to generations as well as orientations and all that kind of stuff. So I think that I think that it's important for Christians not to get for for us not to get caught up in the okay boomer thing. Um even though it can be funny sometimes. Well, I, I think it I think it's it's when someone sort of leans into a stereotype, you know, where it's like, I'm just going to just display every horrible thing that characterizes my generation, just an attempt to own you on the internet. Yeah. I think that's when, okay. That's yeah, okay. Boomer, you know? Well, I mean, I, I doesn't I, I, cool, sound cool coming from me, but <laughs> I mean, I guess like it, I mean, I, I understand that it has a lot to do with like climate change. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I don't know. I just I feel like just being dismissive. You 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 should want people to come along, right? <laughs> and and that's and why they're so playing like, a dangerous game by characterizing Gen X like I so know, soon. I know. Well, <laughs> so so one of the things that I felt is that perhaps it is the responsibility of us millennials. Mm-hmm to be the first to intentionally hand things off that maybe we're just a pass through generation that we're the ones are going to be like, Oh, thank you. We've got it. Okay. Now it's your turn. Right. Right. Like we're, we, we, we are seeding our opportunities to you because we never got this opportunity ourselves and we don't want to climb and fight in order to get into a position of power so that we can just do stuff for ourselves. Um, and, and that thought for me in the past several years has been pretty because that, that's I, I've had that probably for about five years now about about my feeling on the the my role in the church of my generation's role in the church and that I um, I've started to be more because a lot of our liturgical renewal stuff has been done by the boomer generation and a lot of it is just not good some of it's okay but now that we're now that we're starting to get into conversations around inclusive and expansive liter- uh, language in our liturgy, and there are some people who are very passionate about that that I know are also very orthodox in their theology, I'm willing to be like, you know what? Let's let's try it. Let's try it. It doesn't make me comfortable, but it's clearly what's important to you, and I don't want to impose my, you know, I don't, I I I kind of want to learn from you. And, and experience, you know, at least, you know, and then, you know, perhaps I can then offer some of my insight to say like, oh, you, you know, I think it might be stronger if you tried it this way rather than, you know, to leverage my experience rather than to impose it on people. And I, and I hope that other millennials 
would hear that and think that that you know might be worthwhile. But then again, like there are some things that are just dire and serious, like climate change, that we ain't we ain't got time. To just sort of try stuff. <laughs> that's kind of in our hands, or at least we're trying to get it into our hands, which is right. And that's that's <laughs> that's the piece, right? Stuff like yeah. stuff like guns killing our generation, right? And this okay, here's that got me thinking real quick. Sorry. I I've talked about this before in chapels here at St. Andrew's School. And that is that I marked, and you tell me if you agree with this, but I told the I told the students here, who again all Gen Z, I told them that the definitive that you know the being being of the generation that's a little bit Gen X, a little bit millennial, that I think the event that was definitive for our generation, JP, the the thing that made us that solidified us as who we were was Columbine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Columbine might be the most definitive thing for us. Well, why, why not nine eleven though? Like that's, that's such a monumental event that happened is it because it's so specific like columbine is so specific or is it yeah because columbine was a i mean the, the, columbine was really the first time that we were the enemy we were it yeah 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 um we were the terrorists 9/11, yeah 9-11 was everybody i mean to the extent that i think i've said this on the podcast before to the extent that when 9-11 happened i thought it was a columbine copycat event oh, really because Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris said that that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to hijack a plane and crash it into Denver right. after they shot the school. And so I thought, like, that's when, when I first thought. I thought it was I thought it was like a Timothy McVeigh domestic terrorist thing. I had no idea that it was a that it was a foreign attack. My initial thought that it was from within. So like I when I'm sitting there watching all this happen, I'm filtering it through the lens of Columbine of the Columbine massacre. So I mentioned that because like our generation we were, it was 1999, we were in high school and there were kids our age killing other, killing kids our age. Right. Just in this uh, uh, heretofore unthinkable thing. And so we've watched this happen now, what, 20 times? Right. Oh, oh God, yes, I know. And they're all copying, and they're all copying Columbine. Like that's... And they're all copying Columbine. Yeah. And so we're the ones that are being like, look, <laughs> we've lived this. We've we, we we watched it originate. We saw the genesis of this and we're telling you mm-hmm. like the here's the solution. The solution is very simple. Right? Yeah. Just get 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 a hold of this, right? I mean it's not it's not hard. You just don't want to do it. Right. Right. And that's the same thing with climate change. The solution is simple. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I don't know if it's expensive, it's inconvenient. Um, well, kind of, if, if you're talking about just making all guns illegal, um, yeah, because it, it would, it would also cause more violence as well. So I, I don't know. Ow. Well, you have a, a lot of people who are, are, are waiting for things like cops or military coming to the door to take guns and, 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 and places like where I live <laughs> and, uh, they will definitely, uh, fight back. Why not? Why not? Why not create a situation where there's a grant? Like, if you bought a gun, well, I think that there's, you bought there's a gun before the year 1998, yeah, or something. Like, I don't know. Well, I think there's other measures you could take. You, there's like people have talked about taking away face to face gun purchasing, um, taking away, um, um, oh, there's some other ones. 
Well, like used gun sales, gun shows. And just tighter background checks for one. Like Right. <laughs> background yeah. checks, period. <laughs> yeah. But I also think though that but 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 I was talking about the cop. But I was talking more when I was saying that it was expensive, or maybe not expensive, but inconvenient. I was talking about climate change. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you. Were, okay. Never mind. But both, right? But like, yeah. the solutions are there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's doable. It's very doable. It's not obvious. Like yeah. the guns thing is obviously very doable because every other country in the world doesn't deal with this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Clearly, they figured it out. What's interesting, and I, and I think it's something we should do an episode on Columbine. By the way, like. It's it's a pretty actually actually um, oh we missed it last year was the twentieth anniversary uh, we don't have to do that I know I know it, it helps the SEO stuff but, I know um, but uh, I think what people don't understand about like Columbine you know it, it's it got so wrapped up in blaming like video games and music and movies and all this other the the parents the bullying all this stuff but like the it's it's not i mean we kind of need to start accepting that like you can just be an evil person you know and sometimes and, and and especially in a culture that cultivates violence that thrives in violence you know mm-hmm. um and uh there's actually some really interesting uh studies going on you should look up the uh, look up the violence project i think that's what it's called the violence project where there's like a just a bunch of researchers trying to figure out why like mass shootings happen and like why a mass shooting in Las Vegas is different from like a school shooting. Right. Um, And it's very interesting. They, one of them did a Ted talk recently. I know I sound very liberal by saying, go check out that Ted talk, (laughs) but check it out. It's, it's really, it's really, you sound very, you don't, I don't know if you sound liberal. You sound very millennial. Yeah. (laughs) Which is sort of conflated, right? Um, I think the very like close to center liberal is sort of like what's characterized as the millennial, but uh. yeah. Um, but uh, just saying things like th- that we all, um, what people don't understand is that like uh, the shooting was a contingency plan, right? They didn't go in thinking they were going to shoot up the school. They wanted to do Oklahoma city. Right, they wanted to blow up the school, and there's 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 evidence of it. Like the, people don't people never talk about the bombs they placed in the cafeteria. Right, like they're all over the place. They just sucked at it. <laughs> they didn't go off, and so they're like, "Well, just just grab these guns and just start shooting." I guess. Um, and that's I think that's just such a key factor in in, in learning the solution, you know, because basically that all these shootings it's a it's a copycat of a basic contingency plan and that's why you can't blame video games on the shooting because they weren't wanting to shoot out the place in the first place right <clears throat> um but that's just my little aside when it comes to calm yeah a little um, preview of what to look forward to and when we talk about yeah that yeah that might be a good one like during lent because we're <laughs> talking about sin um <laughs> yeah it's interesting that that you say that chuck about uh at least I think the older millennials who, who you know, were in high school, and then yeah. they went home and they turn on the, the TV and then all of a sudden they see a, a school that looks just like theirs, with like kids falling out the windows. Like what the hell's going on? Like SWAT team surrounding it. Right. Um, I mean, I remember it clearly. It was, um, oh God, it, it it was like nine eleven. You know, like yeah. 
because and what happened afterwards is really kind of crazy too because it's like like i said earlier we became the terrorists <laughs> like i i had friends who were suspended because they tucked their jeans into their combat boots right or they just wore combat boots and it's like oh well you know those column my kids they wore combat boots like you do so you know get out of here um you know things like that it was a yeah. really weird time was a weird time because it also happened right before the matrix came out yeah um you know which features a sequence of two people in trench coats shooting up a lobby right exactly <laughs> right um yeah but yeah we should we should definitely do an episode on that i um but yeah getting back to all this though i mean i you know again we're just riffing we don't have solutions right we're not here to be like <laughs> here's the way for all the generations to get together yeah you know um I will say though we would do a better job from you know if we just listened to each other a little bit more. I think so instead too. Of like I don't generalizing and stereotyping, which I know we've done a little bit tonight, but personally I think it's really weird to focus on it so much. Yeah. Um I try not to. It's hard it's hard not to when there are people who really do kind of lean into the stereotypes. I th- I know a lot of people who do. Yeah, well <laughs> you're 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 definitely more online than I am. Yeah. And I don't really know those people. <laughs> Um, I know people in real life too who do it. Do you really? I know some gen, some some Zoomers who, you know, that got to be as edgy as possible. Oh yeah, we've definitely got those around here. Yeah, I I saw a funny uh, tweet that was like characterizing each generation by their OKs. Like the Boomers are OK Boomer, Generation X is OK Karen, Um, Millennials are OK Liberal. And Generation Z is okay, Edgelord. Ha! <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we've we've definitely got we've definitely got some of those those students around here. Yeah, I think Generation that... Z. I mean, it's it's they're young, but they're already sort of being characterized by being the kid who's on the video game yelling racial slurs at you, right? Like that's <laughs> that's kind of their main characteristic right now. <laughs> Yeah. But again, like, but here's the thing. When we talked about this, we touched on this a little bit last episode. But what, what's fascinating to me, too, is it seems that when we think of these generations, we're largely, maybe with the exception of young millennials and into Gen Z, a little bit. But I feel like, by and large, we're sort of characterizing them off of white people. Absolutely. Yeah. I noticed that too. And Gen X, especially. You ask a Gen Xer what defines your generation, they're going to say, oh, Kirk Cobain, Quentin Tarantino, Twin Peaks, you know, a very, very white stuff. Right. Friends. Yeah. Seinfeld. <laughs> they don't talk about. Oh, Seinfeld sort of. Yeah. Seinfeld kind of transcended a little bit, I guess. But like, but like, yeah, they're not Martin. Right. <laughs> you know? Oh, there was a um, there was a slew. I think it was WB who started, or yeah, you have WB that kind of so WB or UPN that just sort of embraced like shows that were mostly headlined by minority actors and stuff. Like it was UPN that just yeah, like a whole block of those shows. Like yeah, because they had they had Martin. Yeah, which Martin, as I understand, in in the black community, while white America was all about like friends and stuff. Yeah. And Seinfeld, the black community is like, we're, we're, we're watching Martin. Or Moesha. 
which Boisha, was because right? it, it started both, in it living was, color. Oh, dude. Yes. Now you're talking about language. That's um, even even though like even mad TV. Yeah, I think I feel like TV was probably more diverse then than it is now, to be honest. Oh, I've thought about that. Right. Because, I mean, we had well, if you think about late 90s or late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. We had the Cosby show. We had a different world. We had all the Norman matters. Yeah, there's all the, also the Norman Lear shows that were just kind of spinoffs of spinoffs. Of, yeah, yeah. But and then and then we had um, and then there was dinosaurs, which the family <laughs> in that is sort of coded. They're coded as, as like working. They're, they're a working class family, you know. Yeah, sort of an Archie Bunker situation. I guess I, for some reason I was growing up, I always felt that the dad was coded as a as a black man. Probably, I, I think most dads from the '80s and '90s were sort of molded after Archie Bunker, with the exception of Bob Saget's character in Full House. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we had primetime television that like sort of everyone was watching, mm-hmm. that featured black families. And and it wasn't seen as like being PC right. or woke or anything. It just was. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it turned into, oh, if you're doing a show with all black people, you're sort of forcing that on us. Yeah, you're shoving it down our throats. Right. S- like, SJWs. Yeah, like blackish is sort of seen as right. Like, isn't it? It wasn't blackish, kind of seen as like sort of being forced on people. Yeah, fresh off the boat. There was just all these. Right, they sort of treated it like they were sort of like diversity hire shows or something. Right. Yeah. It's weird, dude. And then I know we got to wrap up, but you just got me thinking about the state of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I just introduced I, I, last night. My boys watched Star Wars A New Hope for the first time. Nice. And it was awesome to watch their little minds blown. This is the first time they've seen anything Star Wars related? Anything. I think they watched like a, a Lego Star Wars thing once with yeah. my mom. Okay. But they've played with the toys and stuff and they've gone to, you know, we've gone to Galaxy's Edge and all that. So they, they know the characters and they know the ships, but they don't know, you know, it was funny watching them play. Because they would play like pretend to be Darth Vader and stuff, but they were getting it completely wrong, mm-hmm. and they were and uh, and so like it was kind of interesting. I was like, I'm, they're going to finally see like how it actually plays out, <laughs> and you know, watching that opening sequence of A New Hope with the Tantive Four and the and the Star Destroyer yeah. coming overhead, and watching my three and a half year old son's eyes just like but like blowing out of his head, just like, what? Like just couldn't stop talking. Just so excited about, about it all. It made me realize like star Wars is still really incredible. Yeah. Um, but now I'm thinking like, but have I introduced my kids to this really ugly world? <laughs> <laughs> like, are they now yeah. going to get on? Like, I was like, am I going to find out that Charlie is like secretly getting online to be like, to talk to, just to complain about Rose Tico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess. That's something you have to worry about now. Jeez. Um, no, maybe not. I don't know. And one thing I've always kind of wanted, we can kind of, I think Star Wars is a great kind of overlapping with the generational divide because right, it's, because, it's, it spans generations now, right? Right. There's three, there's three trilogies and they each speak to three generations. And I'm, I'm always kind of wondering, like, do you think 
if if there was no Generation X, or I guess the, I guess that I should pose the question this way: Do you think Generation X cynicism is why the prequels were so hated? Because probably I, because if you think about it, Generation arguably Generation X never got their Star Wars. Well, I feel I mean they grew up with Star Wars, right? Well, no, right, but like when when A New Hope. I mean, that's what I'm saying, arguably, because I guess like when Gen X were younger is when the original trilogy was being made. Yeah. They, but yeah, they were seeing I, it in theaters. Yeah. But I sort of feel like, though, like, but they were they, I feel like they would have been young. I sort of I don't know. I feel an, the original trilogy feels like a boomer feel like boomer movies to me. They were made by boomers. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like they're and I, but I feel like they're dealing with boomer issues. I guess so. Yeah. And then Generation X grew up watching it. You know, they, they may have seen it in theaters, but younger Gen X watched it in well, you watched it at home video. Yeah, they were, they waited longer than we did for the prequels, right? And they yeah. got like like their theatrical experience. They, when they got their Star Wars, it was a special edition. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. So then millennials, like we got the prequels, mm-hmm. and the special editions. I remember watching the special editions in, in, yeah. in theaters and being super stoked. Yeah. And then, and then the Zoomers—they've got this new trilogy, yeah, which is all diverse and stuff, <laughs> and they're they, they, and some of them complain about it. But and but the new trilogy, the sequel trilogy, feels like it speaks to the generation, especially Last Jedi. It feels more millennial. Feels- Right. Well, it does, but it feels yeah, it feels very millennial. But if well, and that's because Ryan Johnson and millennial made it yeah. right. So I guess we're getting to the whole thing. You know, boomer made it, kind of targeted at Gen X, and you know, yeah. but then a boomer made it, targeted at the millennials. But um, now millennials are making it targeted at Gen Z. But um, but it definitely like, like Last Jedi feels a lot like it's a movie that's about this subject mm-hmm. and how. And how this sense of the boomer generation, like their failures still hovering over everything and this sort of expectation that we are having to live with their legacy. Mm -hmm. Right. Because in some ways their generation still makes a lot of our pop culture. Right. Right. If I have to watch one more movie that fetishizes the 1960s, I'm going to lose my mind. There's only one good one. All right. And it's once upon a time in Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> yes. But that's because it's it's it definitely, it's all about the ending of the 60s. Right. Right. It feels like it's putting it's like we're done with this now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, man, I could go. We could go on a whole episode about that right there. Hell yeah, dude. Because right. Because like Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, gosh. That is I don't think I don't think a millennial is capable of making anything more narcissistic than a movie like Forrest Gump. Right. Like Forrest Gump, um, the, the TV series, the sixties for crying out loud, um, 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 the across big... the universe. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I've talked about this. Or a few the times. big chill, which totally fetishizes the music they all grew up with. Right. Like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, the, but then you get, uh, you know, I, I love, um, great underrated comedy which is walk hard the dewey cox story yeah 
great parody of music biopics. And there's a whole bit when it's in, when it's taking place in the sixties that completely just like takes it out. Or, I mean, it's just, he's just like, they're, they're so self-aware, like we're in the 1960s. It's the most important time in the 20th century. And like, they're just so like, you know, making laying bare just what like Robert Zemeckis was doing with Forrest Gump. I mean, even back to the future is it kind of, leads into it yeah. too but it's it's so it's just still so delightful yeah well that's and that's that other thing right there was that there was a time that thing happening in the 80s where there was this weird like that's when like nostalgia for the late 50s early 60s was happening mm-hmm. and what you see reflected in like Watchmen right right because Watchmen is a commentary on that mm-hmm. right because it's looking back to the vigilantes of the 50s and the failure yeah right yeah, yeah. um and costume uh, adventurers as our mass adventurers as they call them. Yeah. Um, and, and so you've got the back to the future is like, it's at the beginning of that, you know, right. pretty in pink has some elements of that. Like mm-hmm. finally on the fifties and sixties. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, as you get into the nineties, it becomes just so like, Oh, this is, there was no more important time. <laughs> Than the hippies in 19s. I mean, just look at Jenny. She's at the March on Washington, and she's walking in the fountain. And oh, look, there's Abby Hoffman. And look, there's, you know, <laughs> so important. Um, even it's, though I will say, so funny Forrest Gump, I, I've got Forrest Gump sitting here on my shelf. That's <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen the movie a million times. Kano loves it. Um, it's not a bad movie. Because if you think, I mean, people criticize it and dismiss it because of the whole fetishizing of the '60s. One could argue that the movie does end with a pretty, pretty poignant note of how all the '60s kind of collapsed in on itself. Yeah. And you know, well, you that's know, what Jenny I mean. Jenny, <laughs> Jenny is like oh, that. I don't think there's a character I feel more sorry for in the history of cinema than Jenny because, like, <laughs> she's definitely supposed to be like, this is why the '60s were bad. <laughs> yeah, like Jenny is a horrible person and everything bad about the sixties is in Jenny. Right. And it, and it also, so and everything bad and everything bad in the sixties happens to Jenny. Yeah. And, right? Like and, she's, yeah. she's kind of a bad person, but also is a victim of a lot of really bad things. Yeah. And then she <laughs> dies of AIDS. Well, is it, hasn't Zemeckis said it wasn't AIDS? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I thought that I always assumed that's what it was supposed to be. I feel like I read a couple years ago Zemeckis said it's like not AIDS, but how's what it be? Come on, <laughs> that's good. totally indicating it. Yeah, totally. Oh, totally I mean, it. there, it's 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 a it's a popular movie made in the early nineties. They're not going to say it out loud, so yeah. Or maybe it's, or maybe maybe he has said that she contracted it after Haley Joel Osment was born. Yeah, I don't know. In case you're wondering, Haley Joel Osment it plays Forrest Gump's kid. <laughs> um, spoiler alert: Forrest Gump has a child at the end of the movie. Um, who's a genius. Um, yeah, gosh. But like, but like once upon a time in Hollywood feels like it's the capper to that. Okay. It's like, all right, look, like this is what it turned into guys. It's like Tarantino is like, look what it turned into. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a, I think I have a pretty good way to end this episode. Okay. Question for you. Sure. Um, do you think there, there are some people who believe that the reason the earth why, is flat. Yes. They believe that. And I think the same people believe what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> um, there are some people who believe that uh, the reason why there's so much animosity uh, and so much of a competitive streak between millennials and boomers is because 
they're basically the same. And that millennials hmm. are just going to become the boomers one day. I could see that. You could? Yeah, okay. because because look at what's look what's going on right now in politics. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I don't know, maybe, maybe more maybe more Gen Z than millennials. Okay. But there definitely are there's definitely a feeling out there right now that feels sometimes kind of like 1967 1968 yeah right Mm -hmm. of this of this very you know there's a you know the youth are very angry right and wanting things to change and they're very active to make those changes happen they're actually doing politics now like politics people understand what politics politics are again (laughs) right and there's a lot of demonstrations and all of that um i can see that of course there's uprisings happening every day now right um, they just don't have the music though, man. <laughs> no, there's no music. Because maybe listen, that'll prevent us. <laughs> right, like shorthand, like the shorthand for that you know that you're in the '60s is like a helicopter flying over Nam to Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, or or maybe you see like I don't know what's what would what would, what would you think of like in the United, in the United States? What's the what's the like if you're gonna show a sequence of like a bus traveling through, I don't know, like slow ride by Foghat. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Right. So like that, those are some quintessential, that's some quintessential stuff right there. Yeah. 1960s is slow ride a 60 song or is that a 50? Is that a 70 song? I think it's more of a 70 song. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, well, there's, well, what was it? There's a life is a wheel. Watch a turn, 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 blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Just the entire soundtrack from freaking Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so yeah, you you can show that, right? Does that mean that? Oh, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Okay. So, I mean, what's going to happen when like Charlie and Ford or Bond and Bella are watching movies from like our generation? Like, what's the soundtrack going to be? Is it going to be like a guy flying a helicopter over Baghdad to like Lady Gaga? (laughs) No, I was thinking more like like Taylor Swift or like God forbid. um, um, call me maybe, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, what, they just don't have the music. Wait, Skrillex is Skrillex, the music of a generation. Oh, maybe Kanye. Yeah. Right. Like Jesus. Uh, that's true. Jesus that's Walk. true. Some Kanye. I remember they played Jesus Kanye. walks over the jarhead trailer back when that movie came out years ago. That's right. That's right. And what was that? And, and what's the other power? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great song. Or, um, um, maybe they could do, um, Oh, what's that? What's that other? Uh, what's that other rap hip hop group that that's very popular? Uh, that they use a lot of trailers. Uh, they were used. Was it in Black Panther? Run the jewels. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Run yeah, the yeah. Jewels. Killer Mike. He's he's definitely the voice of a generation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, maybe I feel a little better about it. It's probably going to be largely hip hop. As, as I think is what we're getting at. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's and speaking of that, like that's an interesting thing is I've been watching on I've really I've said the word interesting a lot. I guess you know, I'm channeling Matt. Um in watching SNL, the musical guests are almost all hip hop anymore. Yeah. Except for a couple weeks ago when they had cold play. Yeah. I almost changed the channel. <sighs> not gonna not gonna not gonna play a cold play over bombing Baghdad, that's for sure. That's... Yeah, I mean like what are you gonna show like the, are you going to show the the Obama inauguration to 
And you show the the Hong Kong protests over I will or fix fix you. <laughs> <laughs> or like James Blunt, I don't know. Yeah. That's definitely Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, but I don't know. It's it's it, but I think you might be right though. I think you you might be onto something that they that there is the sense they may very well just become or we may just become well, given enough time, we all become our parents. Yeah. But I feel like there's more at stake to not become them now, you know? They didn't really know what the future held for them back then. Now we know, like, 12 years. You got 12 years to really turn things around. Is right. that what with, the climate, what with the climate? Yeah. I guess it's 11 years now. Because <laughs> that was about a year ago when they said that. Yeah. But haven't... But, I mean, to be fair, haven't they kind of been saying something like within the decade for like 30 years now well and i think there's more scientific evidence to sort of back up that in, in 10 years there's going to be some massive changes like drops in temperature and stuff like like two degrees or something yeah well okay so well that's uh i don't know we don't really have a a conclusion right like we just uh that that's hey it. It, you know maybe the boomers are okay how about that <laughs> that's 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 just something a millennial would totally say, right? Like, just talk to each other. That's all I got. That's that's my. That's how I want to. That's how I want to end this. Just talk to each other. Don't dismiss each other. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. I get it. I live it. I've dealt with the ramifications of it. Right. But you know, we're not going to do any. We're not going. Nothing is good. Nothing good is going to come from being dismissive because all you're going to do is cause people to double down. So like boomers, don't dismiss millennials and and zennials. Gen X, just you know, do your thing, right? Just, you know, just, just keep on keeping on. Would it kill you to give us some more music? Like try. Oh no, no, please don't. <laughs> please don't. Because that, that, you know, who's going to hear this? Yeah. Papa Roach. Weezer, Weezer and, and Pearl Jam are going to hear this and they're the ones going to make us make music. We're not going to get like new soul asylum. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's something generation X that they have not owned up to the fact that they're the ones that created Nickelback. This is true, and, but here's and you know how metal. we got. Do you know how we got Nickelback and rap metal? How? It's because all the good grunge guys kept killing themselves and <laughs> dying of drugs. That's true. That's uh, yeah. That's that's true. If uh, Blind Melon hadn't died of an overdose. <laughs> okay, that's a good place to end. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm gonna thank uh, Father Chuck uh, for your, for everything that you said today. Just for, just for everything in general. I'm going to thank you for everything, JP. Just oh, everything. Oh, you're welcome. you're welcome. Stuff that you're not even responsible for. I, I appreciate that. As a millennial, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take credit for it. Yep. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. Join us again next time. I, we should we should talk about The Mandalorian next time. We should. There, I'm actually going to go home and I'm going to watch episode two. I watched episode two today. It, it's It's good. Oh, I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, you should be. It's good. I, uh, I just I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. maybe we'll talk about the Mandalorian next time. Uh, but who knows? Join us again next time. Have a wonderful week. Good journey. Good. Oh, that's too bright. Good journey. Good journey.